พระโทธรรมาสมบุตสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอาระหะโทสมมาสมบุตทัสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอาระหะโทสมมาสมบุตทัสสะอาปารุชาเดสังมัตสะทวรายโทรวันทาบมุนจันทุสดังก็ตอนที่ผมเริ่มตั้งสมาธิผมไม่ได้ตั้งสมาธิ
you know, I had kind of intellectual definitions of them and and they were exotic words uh, that, uh, you know, didn't... Uh, I just saw through defining them with, with English definitions. But then in, uh, because of the reflective nature of our life, then, uh, it became apparent that they meant something, you know, real and they weren't just romantic uh, kind of images or just, uh, ceremonial statements that, uh, that, you know, didn't have any, any, that were not uh, pointing at reality. So the, the Buddha as a refuge is, is this wake, awakened state. This, this is, this is how I interpret this, how I experience Buddha is the awakened attention. That's a refuge that I really value, uh, and, uh, respect. And you can call it something else if you want, but since this is a convention that we're using, Buddha, Buddha Dhamma, then why not use the, use it so that it, you know, begins to, uh, it helps you to remember, to wake up, to be present here and now. Dhamma as a refuge in the, in the, uh, Truth, ultimate truth, reality, uh, the way it is. And uh, the, the Buddha knows the way it is, the refuge in, in truth. Then, then this uh, word truth, translating Dhamma's truth, isn't, isn't some kind of idealized truth or abstraction. Is it the, the truth is, is right now. When we awaken and pay attention, then we we observe that which is witnessing and experiencing reality now is like this. And then the sangha are those who practice accordingly the the human aspect. Uh, you and I, the um, monks and nuns, the those who are practicing. Uh, living in this state of awakened attention as human individuals. Supatipano, Ujupatipano. So then these, these refuges are something to, uh, I've used them a lot and they become, you know, the, the power of that, of this sense of refuge increases from just some kind of vague idea or abstract uh, kind of um, view about it or seeing it in just uh, as just ceremonial um, Theravada Buddhist ceremonial chants into, you know, they, they're real, they're alive, they're here and now, they're mind. They're really refuges. A refuge is a Something when you go to refuge, it always means you're going to some place that, that's safe, that's true, that won't let you down, that won't be, you know, be dangerous. And so mindfulness is, is never a danger. You know, being 
fully present, being fully with the moment, opening to reality of the present. There's no, it's not dangerous. Not, uh, it's not going to betray you. And, and it's always here and now, so it's not even dependent on, on being in a monastery or being in a safe place on, on the, in a, in a, a geographical location. Then the eight precepts are determinations, they're guidelines, criteria for behavior. So, you know, it's, it's, it's this sense of restraint where we're putting limits or boundaries on behavior uh, and not as some kind of uh, penance or, or anything, you know, not, not to see it in terms of, of of moral rules that you'll be punished uh, if you don't keep them and uh, uh, avoid thinking in those terms but as, as you've asked to take these eight precepts so then they're, they're agreements on behavior how we're going to live with each other so in harmlessness in manani bhata respecting uh, life in general in the, the uh, human realm, the uh, animal realm, and so forth, they may not be non-violent. And so this means, of course, that even though we might have violent feelings, we don't act on them. It's, uh, it's a re- reflection, a reminder, uh, an agreement that even though we might uh, have moments or periods where we feel like committing a violent act, we don't do it because this precept is our agreed way of behaving. In Buddhist morality, then it's recognized that it's it's about behavior. When we talk about sila, uh, we're not talking about mental states, we're talking about action and speech. So, so the sila is 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 what we determine. We do have, uh, you know, control over action and speech, or we can have uh, about the mental conditions that arise in our consciousness. We don't have all that much say about. We have to experience our karma as that ripens and conditions um, move or change in a way that we. We can have very violent feelings or anger and greed and lust and all these kind of, of uh, emotions or energies, instincts can, you know, come into our consciousness. But, our, but then in terms of action, we don't act on them or, or speak in ways that are uh, divisive or dishonest or misleading. Then <clears throat> the refraining from intentionally taking the life of other creatures and, and inevitably our, just our existence on this planet means that we are going to, you know, the fact that we breathe the air and 
and that you know we that other creatures are going to die because we're here this is just the way it is but our intention the thing is about not intentionally trying to destroy living creatures if you get too idealistic you'd have you couldn't live you'd have to give up living totally <laughs> but this is a boundary limit on action and speech that we agree to then uh Adina Donna's in regards to property, things that, uh, you know, we're learning to respect the, the property and the, and, and the, uh, belongings of others. So that we're not, uh, you know, taking things or misusing or abusing, uh, things, the, the property, the places, the, the, uh, belongings of other people. And a Brahmanchari regards to sexuality, when the celibate uh, life is we determined to to not act on uh, the sexual impulses that we feel, intentionally uh, act on those impulses. So the since these bodies are sexual bodies, you know, they have, that's their nature, and that's how they, they got here in the first place, was through sexuality. Uh, then these kind of uh, energies and conditions arise in our consciousness. Uh, but our relationship to that is not to intentionally act on them. So that gives us a relationship to to the body that we that we're incarcerated in for this lifetime way of of looking at it and studying it and uh, uh, con- investigating it rather than just going along with with its powerful energies. Then, uh, Mutawala in regards to speech, and learning to speak in ways that are, you know, we're communicating in, 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 in a direct, honest way, not to insult or abuse others, curse or, or mislead, tell lies and that. So, taking responsibility for our speech. And then the Surah Meirah in regards to to um, refraining from uh, addictive substances. Wickala Potion in regard to food, uh, limitations on so that we we learn to uh, eat uh, the food in the designated time rather than than just uh, following our habits. You know, a lot of people live life just eating things all day in day out so munching on biscuits and most people have refrigerators and you can get anything you want uh, and when you get upset and uh, lonely and distressed you can eat something or 
but putting limitation on food, on you know eating, is is for reflection. It's not it's not to conquer greed and and some kind of uh, condemnation of eating, but it's a, an agreement of to make our this more simple, so we can begin to recognize uh, all the ways that we can distract ourselves through eating, through drinking, that taking drugs and and uh, drinking liquor and so forth, and the Najakita Vati refraining from distracting yourself with just the entertainments, uh, games and so forth. You know, this is not a kind of moral condemnation of that, but it's uh, renunciate to put limitation so that we begin to be aware of these, of the tendency to distract the mind. And then Ujjasana Mahasana regards to sleep, not to spend your time this year as an Agarika sleeping through it. So these are, you know, these are pointing to getting to the kind of the very basis of our humanity with regards to sleep and and uh, pleasure seeking, um, food, drugs and drink, and then speech, sexuality, property, and uh, respect for life. These are precepts, not commandments. That's not, they're not looking at, it's so easy for us to look at them as kind of, uh, you know, breaking a precept is like committing a sin. Uh, so we can, you know, we get into tremendous anxiety around our discipline and our precepts because we're very conditioned, culturally conditioned to see things in terms of sinning and being punished for sinning. So recognize this is a this is a cultural uh, um, tendency we have been brought up in in uh, Western civilization the South Western civilization Western the religions of the West tend to uh, to to think and to view life but notice that they, that these are called precepts they're not commandments. Uh, from God or from above, you know, they're, they're guidelines for behavior. They're to help, uh, to, to be used for awareness, not for intimidating, making you feel guilty and making you worry. So keep that in mind that, that the, this is a, a way of training, of developing, uh, wisdom. It's not, it's not a form to, to kind of browbeat you into conformity and punish you when you're naughty and reward you when you're good. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the developing of sati panya, mindfulness and wisdom. So it does reflect also our own cultural assumptions and attitudes. That it's so easy to get obsessed, worry about 
are we pure in the precepts and 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 uh, to feel you know the fear of being punished or or being uh, condemned or rejected but the awareness in that we're we're getting to the to the root of ignorance and suffering by awakening to it this life is is uh, you're taking responsibility for how you live here in this community too so it's not uh, in not here you're not here to to uh, you know to uh, expect somebody else to to be responsible for you you're asking to to join this community taking that responsibility for how you live in it <clears throat> so it's like really a, a, you know very mature and, and wise way to live if you if you uh, determine to see it and use it in, in skillfully it's easy too uh, to you to see institutions in 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 habitual ways. You know to see it as a to get institutionalized by it, to um, become a Buddhist monk or a nun or something like that, to to uh, toe the party line, to wear the uniform to say all the Buddhist things, memorize all the chants, and, uh, and uh, get caught up in, in identity and, and measure yourself accordingly of how good a Buddhist you are in comparison to somebody else. So is that mindful, you know, is that wise to do that? Or is it, are we here just is this another game, just a costume change? You know, put on the, shave your head and put on another kind of costume. Uh, or is it uh, how to use this costume to for awakening? So I always, you know, I found the robe over the years, uh, I've learned a lot from, because it's, you know, wherever you go, you don't have a holiday from it, you don't. You know, can't take it off, put on, uh, lay clothes and then go into London, have a, have a night out on the town and then come back, put it on again. Yeah, you know, it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing challenge to, and these robes are, you know, are not, uh, all that easy to wear. Now, how many times over my monastic life I've wanted to change the style of robes. You know, just because I get so impatient with having to hold uh, this thing on and put it on and take it off and so forth. But in terms of mindfulness, it's, it can be used very skillfully, isn't it, to, to remind you this, this is the samana an alms mendicant. I'm no longer can can live as just a worldly person living in you know according to my own desires 
and feelings of the moment. I have to respect the fact of the 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 lifestyle that I've chosen, the life of the samana or the alms mendicant. So that uh, is reflected upon to see how to use that for awareness rather than identity. You know, to go around thinking, I am a Samana and, 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 and in, a, in a highly personal way is not the point, is it? But to keep, keep uh, investigating what is this life about? What are you doing? What is the point of being a, a Buddhist Samana? How can, how can I use it so it helps me? Or how do I use it so it, 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 uh, how do I misuse it? You can also observe that. How do I, you know, how do I, how do I misuse this convention? So you learn from both your successes and failures at it. This time in, you know, when we talk about, uh, the state of the world, uh, and you know, there's a lot of concern, naturally, because uh, this war that's been going on in since uh, eleven nine oh one, and the the uh, the the, uh, the terrorist uh, uh, problems and the 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 kind of endless conflict that seem to arise no matter what in on this planet amongst human beings. <clears throat> and of course it's, uh, you know, they want to, you know, wipe out the evil forces by just blasting them with bombs and things like this. But, uh, you know, this, uh, the, the, to me, the, what, what is most needed is agreements on behavior. It's like, like the first precept, Banadibhata, is, uh, you know, quite an obvious one. And not even taking it to, to the refinement of respect for animal life, just on its most coarse interpretation of not intentionally killing other human beings would be an enormous uh, improvement and move towards world peace. But because uh, this time we don't have moral agreement, uh, we try to, you know, intimidate and and force and and uh, threaten and so forth until people just kind of uh, kind of obey. But uh, um, to have moral agreement means, you know, it. It makes us, it allows us to rise up, to take responsibility for, for how we, for how I'm going to live, use my physical body on this planet, in this society. So it, it, it ennobles me, take this precept. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be responsible for my actions anymore. I'm not asking the government or anyone else to, to be responsible for me because uh, to me this this I find uh, is a way of honoring oneself one's own existence is taking that responsibility rather than expecting external 
forces to be responsible or, or, or just, uh, you know, be, not, not take responsibility, just live according to impulse or habit. When we fail at this, then we, but then we can always renew. You know, it's not like uh, that. It, we we can't be that perfect, but we, but we we are learning how to to see the causes, the the get at the roots of our suffering, so that more and more we have the confidence, and it's not just a an idealistic. Uh, I'm taking responsibility for my action and speech as some ideal, but the, it be it, as you trust in in the practice of awareness, in your own ability to to open to life and investigate experience, then uh, it becomes quite obvious. It's no longer just just a romantic ideal or or something. Uh, that that you uh, that uh, you can't do or can't be as good as you think you would like to be, but you're learning how to accept your own existence the way you are in a way that through wisdom rather than through criticism. If you idealize morality, where you know and you think. A good monk should never have a bad thought. And then, then that's an ideal, isn't it? And uh, we'd like to think of, you, you probably like to think that Ajahn Sumato is, uh, just never has any bad thoughts. He's so pure and so good. He's been at this long time. And uh, he's just so, you know, never has... Uh, Nasty feelings, or, or never has any of that. He's just perfect. And then, you, you, then you, then when you start having nasty feelings, then you feel I'm just, uh, I'm so unworthy, and you feel intimidated by me. Think, a lot of you think I can read your mind. The people, you know, get really worried when I come around because they think if they're having bad thoughts, they think I. I know exactly what's going on inside them, and I probably have utter disgust and repulsion if the thoughts are of a nasty type. And so we we create uh, you know endless problems around uh, you know our our feelings, our emotions, our our thoughts. But being human is like this, isn't it? We're, when the conditions arise, then anger arises, or greed, or lust, or various delusions, fear, and jealousy, and and anxiety, and worry, and despair, and grief, and that's just the part of being human. Our relationship to it now is through awareness, rather than through judgment or criticism. So if I idolize, uh, you know, um, uh, the bhikkhu uh, should have only pure thoughts and and uh, so forth, then when 
when when I do when my thoughts aren't so pure, so good, then I can only feel unworthy and guilty, and going back into a habit of self-loathing and self-aversion. Or if I'm using this convention rightly, then I'm aware, you know, of these conditions. To be able to accept your own the the, the darkness the 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 dark forces that we, that go through our consciousness to be able to accept them equally with the good ones means that we're fully aware a way of no preferences in regards to action and speech we act we do the good and refrain from doing the the bad. Because that we can take responsibility for, for action and speech that, that we can, we can do. But in terms of practice, then the awakenedness, the, the awareness allows us to learn that can, all conditioned phenomena is impermanent. So, so whether it's a good condition or a bad condition or mediocre condition or high or low or whatever, is not the point anymore. It's not the quality. But it's the the characteristic. All can, we're, we're looking, we're observing the nature of condition, of this relentless changingness, impermanence, that we experience through consciousness. So at this moment now, the, we're all conscious. We're all experiencing consciousness. Now, being aware means that they're using awakened attention with consciousness. Now, we can be conscious, but totally unaware. So, like when, when we're not aware, when we're not mindful, then we, we, we get, we identify and get bound up in our habits, emotional states, views and opinions, thoughts, desires and fears. So when I lose, when I'm not being mindful, then I become this person, Ajahn Sumato, and I can then, and I, you know, feel like this, and I don't like that, and I want this, I don't want that. Then the world that I create then is, uh, seems very real. Because it's, I'm so used to it, I mean, you know, we're conditioned to believe in in ourselves as personalities. And we identify so strongly with the physical body, with its appearance, with its gender, with with our emotions, uh, emotional habits, cultural assumptions and prejudices and so forth that we, you know, when we're when I'm heedless, then that stuff takes over. You know, that there's consciousness, but there's no awareness. So consciousness and, and all the, the uh, emotions, thoughts, and that are all kind of uh, mixed up together. We can't, we aren't aware of uh, how they really are. We're just lost in it, in that soup of conditioning and ignorance. So the awareness then allows us to uh, suddenly we 
we're, we're, we wake up to this. So then consciousness acts as a mirror for the conditions that we experience. So you can, we can actually observe, you know, anger or greed or whatever emotions, thoughts that we're, that, that can arise. We're now, our relationship to it is through awareness rather than through attachment. Consciousness doesn't have any gender. It's not male or female. It's not even monk, nun, or lay person. Not racial or anything. But it reflects all of those things if we, if we, if we awaken, if we are mindful. So we, then we, we began to break down the identity we have, the assumed identity we have with the body, the five khandhas, rupa, vajana, sanya, sankara, vijnana. All that, that kind of attachment, identity, assumptions that, that we make from all that, that, that begins to lose its, its power and its uh, seeming reality. We're breaking through the illusions the, and the delusions that we, we uh, tend to abide in and live in if we're not fully attentive, not paying attention. So with sati sampachanya, sati panya, with awareness and consciousness in this moment, then What am I then? You know, so there's no, we're not assuming any, there's no, nothing to identify with. The body is, we begin to see through the attachment and identity we have with the physical body, with the Vedana, with the Sanya, Sankara. We're not even trying to claim consciousness as what I am. Because it doesn't, it seems to be pointless to try to find yourself as something or that you need to even have a name. Just a, just a waking up and trusting in that awakened state of, natural state of being. It's not, it's not a, a condition that you create. And that's dependent on other conditions to, to make it work. So it's like re- re- realizing your true nature. He's having to use words again. Or our real home. Or where we, you know, where we, what we really are is, is we're no longer trying to find ourselves, define ourselves uh, through thoughts, ideas, assumptions, but waking up to the unconditioned reality. Immortality, the deathless. So those kind of words 
point to this awakenness and to trust in it rather than to uh, try to figure it out. What what is deathless? Is there Ajahn Tomato, what is the deathless? <laughs> and, and, you know, is there, what is the unconditioned? And we want to, to analyze it and figure it out according to maybe philosophical concepts or various views and opinions that people have. But even if you, if you've got a very clever intellect and can, can kind of work it out in all kinds of clever, with clever definitions and manipulations of thoughts and ideas. That's not the point, is it? It's an act of trust, of in a simple imminent act of paying attention, open uh, receptivity to the present. Now this is a, is a, you know, so in in community life, recognize that it it's going to push the buttons, having to be live under restraint, live with others, then uh, and, and we you know inevitably irritate each other, and uh, we we have to. You know, personality clashes, different views and opinions, uh, all kinds of emotions will arise in regards to our life together. But then how to, to use that uh, for awareness rather than to just be overwhelmed by it.